Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowden and Jimmy Kemsky. Yo, what's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio, episode number 314. I am Jimmy Kemsky. I'm tired. And I work for phillyvoice.com. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Gowden of bleedinggreennation.com. We will be reviewing... All of the Eagles, moves, you know, additions, guys who are staying, losses, etc. Um, maybe talk about some guys that haven't quite landed anywhere yet. But before we do that, I know that I need to uh, know where I can find the finest meat snacks in the land. JimmyRighteousFillin.com is where you want to go to get your snacks which would come in handy right now. I feel like if you're waiting for some free agency news to drop and you're bored and you're just staring at your phone, might as well have a nice little snack to go along with that to to help you uh, eat, eat some time, uh, pun intended. Uh, Jimmy, we have so much to talk about that I can Well, can't... actually, before we even move on from Righteous Fallon, uh, I have, from according to a source, wow. a lot of the players that returned to the Eagles that maybe weren't expected, expected to, right? Re- the Eagles have Righteous Fallon craft jerky outside of their training facility, outside of their You've weight You've seen room. it with your own eyes. I have. Um, a lot of a lot of players returned because they didn't want to go to a team that didn't have Righteous Fallon Craft Jerky. Wow. Um, I didn't know that, but it makes sense because it's really good. Yeah. And you should go to RighteousFallon.com and use discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. It helps support podcast, and it's a great product that we stand behind. So RighteousFallon.com. All right, Jimmy, there's so much to talk about. Very, very, very much to talk about. So why don't we just get into it all? Let's dive right in. So I figured what we do is we go through the guys who have, you know, who are staying. There's only one addition from an outside team. It's Rashad Penny, of course. But the guys who are staying uh, so far, we're recording this at 7.43 a.m. Uh, so who on knows what will happen Thursday, while we're on March 16th, yes. <laughs> while we're recording this. Uh, but so far, staying uh, is Jason Kelsey, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, James Bradbury, Boston Scott. So let's get those guys first. I think we start with the the guys that have been here a long time and um, you know are a big part of the culture in the locker room. Uh, Jason Kelsey and Brandon Graham. Kelsey, of course, comes back. Uh, you know, decides each year whether or not he's going to continue to play football at all. I don't think there was ever any doubt that if he did come back, it would be for the Philadelphia Eagles. And, of course, he announces, by the way, Jason, can you announce your return not like, uh, like, what was it, like a half hour, an hour after free agency opened? Can you give us some content when, you know, we kind of need it, not when there's all kinds of other stuff happening and, like, we have to scramble to get to your news in addition to a bunch of other stuff? Come on, man. Think of the bloggers. 
Well, also, I just thought it would be a better move for him to like do it through the podcast. You know, you release like a podcast on Monday or whatever. <laughs> also true, you, yeah. Mike, why yeah. wouldn't you put it in yeah. there? But whatever. Uh, yeah. In any case, not not actual meaningful complaints because the, the, the real <laughs> impact for the Eagles is that they're getting a player who has been first team All Pro in five out of the last six seasons back, and obviously, um, you know, he's a future Hall of Famer. He, he's a Hall of Fame lock at this point. There's no question about it. Yeah, he should be. I mean, he's been to two Super Bowls. He won one. He has these five All Pros. Um, he has what? Like I'm looking here, at five Pro Bowls or whatever. Two, um, mm-hmm. six Pro Bowls, I believe. Actually, uh, yeah, he's so, a local. He's lo- local legend here. After, right. of course, the speech uh, on the Rocky Steps, and now it's becoming very notable nationally because his podcast is doing so well. Everyone, every football fan now knows who who he is. Whereas a few years ago, maybe didn't appreciate, you know, they probably knew who he was, but right. didn't appreciate, you know, what he brought to the table, both uh, on the field and off of it. And I think the thing here and with Brandon Graham mentioned him as well, uh, who, by the way, now is on track to become the all time uh, Eagles leader in games played for the franchise, mm-hmm. which is kind of cr- crazy when you think about how Brandon Graham's career started. I think it's his 14th year here now in Philly. Uh, crazy to go all the way back to 2010, but um, the, the the key thing to like mention with these guys, and I know this is kind of obvious analysis, is they're still really good. It's not just like oh, you're bringing them back for sentimental mm-hmm. reasons or whatever. Like no, these guys are like Ringram just had a career year, and Jason Kelsey is also playing like still like very arguably like the best center in the NFL, and the Eagles made him paid like the best center, uh, they're the highest paid center in the NFL. Um, so that's important to note. It's not just about being sentimental. And holding on to guys too long. It's like, no, these are like still really awesome players. Yeah. I mean, Brandon Graham, you know, the, you mentioned, um, you know, Kelsey, he, 11 sacks, of course. He, for the first time in his career, he hits double digit sacks. It's been sort of a, a milestone that he's been trying to hit for his, the entirety of his career. And he finally hits it, ironically, in the season where his playing time dips drastically, uh, is more of a rotational player. And, you know, as far as the, the numbers go on their contracts, Kelsey gets uh, a modest raise from 14 million in 2022. He's going to get 14.25 in 2023. So, you know, nothing out of the pretty much as expected there. And then Brandon Graham signs for a one year deal worth quote unquote up to $6 million. So I don't even know what the, what the base uh, pay for that is going to be. And then what, what incentives he has to hit to actually get the 6 million. But he pretty much said, you know, it's not about the money for me. I just want to come back and, and play for the Eagles. He feels strongly that, um, you know, Jalen Hurts is going to get them back to the Super Bowl again. And he wanted to, he didn't want to leave. And that's understandable as well. But he comes back, in my opinion, uh, at a bargain deal at one year, six million, uh, you know, one, one year again, up to six million. Um, let's talk about the offensive line on, just on as, a, as, a, as a group real quick. Yeah, go that. ahead. Yep. Uh, 39th among NFL edge rushers in terms of annual value. Like that's a really, okay. that's a really good deal. And for, for perspective, it's under where Derek Barnett is making <laughs> at 7 million a year. The deal he yeah. signed at, um, like the other guys around that number, like Charles Harris at 6.5, Sansom Ikebum at 6 million, um, at least his previous contract, Josh Allen's rookie contract, the pass rusher, not the quarterback is like 5.7. So like, that's a really, that is that, a lot of players say they take less money or whatever, but like Brandon Graham actually did. Yeah, I think that's. I think we can trust him on that. And then, um, as far as the offensive line goes, with Kelsey coming back, I think the likelihood that um, it, it feels you know almost certain that Isaac Samuel is going to be moving on. 
with uh, they want to get Cam Jurgens on the field one way or the other. So Kelsey comes back. He'll of course be the center. Cam Jurgens will be the center whenever Jason Kelsey retires. But in the interim, uh, Cam Jurgens will almost certainly play right guard uh, for the Eagles in 2023. So we'll get our first really good look at what he is um, as a player in real games. I think we saw during the preseason. He looked really good. <laughs> I think it was the Jets game where he got extended playing time at center specifically and uh, was just making – it looked like Jason Kelsey put on a 51 jersey and like and played that preseason game because Jurgens was making all kinds of athletic plays that we've kind of gotten used to seeing Jason Kelsey make uh, throughout his career. But they'll have two really athletic players playing right next to – not that Isaac Samalo wasn't athletic. He was athletic as well, but they're going to have two – really highly athletic players playing next to each other in Kelsey and Jurgens. And it'll be interesting to see um if, you know, Jurgens can Jurgens has never played guard before. Right. I mean it's not it, the transition from center to guard isn't that you know, it's we're not talking about like, you know, uh, a right tackle now playing wide receiver or something like that, you know, like so it's it, he'll be I, I assume he'll be fine playing right guard and they've been cross training him at guard and center all year. In 2022, they actually list them as a guard slash center uh, on their roster. So, um, yeah, obviously he'll he'll get as many snaps as he can uh, during the 2023 offseason leading up to the season at guard. Uh, but there will be a little bit of a change on the offensive line this year with Sayamalo almost certainly you know leaving for another team. If he hasn't done it yet, but he'll almost certainly be leaving for another team. Yeah, I think it's fair to mention the Jurgens thing is like a bit of a projection. That doesn't mean it can't work out well, but it's not like mm-hmm. something, again, you just know that 100% is going to work out. And I have yep. a point about that when we talk about linebacker uh, here at some point. Um uh, but yeah, and I think if I'm not mistaken, I, th- I feel like there was a preseason game or two where Jurgens was actually like playing so well that like they t- pulled him out. <laughs> like I'm pretty sure that happened. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Like yes. he was just like, all right, we don't need to see anymore. Like, yeah, he's, he's really good. good. Get him out. Yeah, yeah. Like we don't need him getting hurt. <laughs> uh, so yeah, definitely. Uh, and and yeah, he has to. Like it would be weird if they. It'd be pretty weird if they brought back Samalo and like you spent the second round pick on Jurgens and he's kind of just on the bench still. Um, but. Yes, Eagles still figured out a very good offensive line, and that's very important. Uh, what else do we need to hit on here next? So let's move to corner, um, which was probably the most interesting positional group so far in these first three days of free agency, where I think you know you and I both had James Bradbury pegged as pretty much as good as gone <laughs> because you know our feeling was that he was going to get paid um, – uh, he was going to get offers that the Eagles simply wouldn't be able to match. And then reports started kind of coming out that the Eagles were shopping uh, Darius Slay. And uh, then it started to make you make you think whether, okay, well, they're going to move on from Slay. Then they probably are going to make a, a, a bigger push uh, to keep Bradbury, which is exactly what happened. And he comes back on a very reasonable, very surprisingly reasonable deal of three years Thirty-eight million, and the incentives can push it. I think to forty-four or something like that, but into the low forties. And we don't know what he, what benchmarks he has to hit uh, for his salary to rise to that level. But at thirty-eight, that's a, it's like a pretty good deal for a guy of his caliber of play. It's twelve point seven million per season, and we're talking about a guy who is all pro. In uh, I don't have the the stats that that uh, he put up in 2022, but I do. You know, according to Pro Football, okay, go ahead, let it rip. Okay, so you know, you look at his uh, 20. Uh, I, I did. 
<laughs> I do have, here they are. Uh 51.6 passer rating allowed, four interceptions, mm-hmm. and then 19 passes defensed in 20 games played. Yeah, he was a stud. And they had this guy just fall into their laps <laughs> in May last year. Giants, of course, um made the decision. I mean, you look at a team that that had nothing on defense. They had like three or four, if that, good players on defense. And they just cut one of them instead of what they could have very easily done is what the Eagles have have done with their best players for years now, where they just take their base salary, they convert it into a signing bonus, throw some void years on the back end of the contract. And, you know, in the short term, they give themselves some flexibility to keep players that they otherwise that are, are otherwise sort of jamming up their cap. And what the Giants did was instead they just went, Bye, James. And then they not only cut him, but they did him dirty by, you know, not cutting him in March and instead waiting until May uh, when he couldn't maximize his, um, you know, offers on the open market. And he falls right into the Eagles' laps. They needed a, a CB2 and they get him at the very, very low cost of 7.25, has the all pro season. And then he's back again because I think he liked playing for Philly. He liked playing with the players in the in, in the locker room, and he liked, uh, you know, how the, the the front office kind of handled him. And I also like to I would like to mention, you know, after the Super Bowl, he really impressed me as a person in that he just took accountability for the hold uh, on Juju Smith Schuster, which effectively ended the Super Bowl. Um, a lot of people disagreed with with that call, of course. <sighs> But he went out and said, <laughs> he went out and said, I held him. And, you know, he he was hoping that they wouldn't throw a flag on it. They did. Uh, but he took accountability for it. And that's not something that you often see from players, uh, particularly on a call like that, that was so controversial. And really, you know, I, I think most people feel that the flag shouldn't have been thrown in that situation. But he went out and he, he put it on himself. So I think that shows, you know, a certain level of, uh, maturity, accountability, and uh, that that guy is another you know big time veteran leader now in their locker room too. That's going to have some juice going forward. You know, having been now going into multiple years there, um, not necessarily in the same way that it was like Malcolm Jenkins, but more of a, a quieter type of leadership role. I think uh, going forward and on that team, he's going to be around uh, in, in this locker room for at least the next three years. I would imagine. I think part of why he came back too is just because the corner market's not really popping off, if you will. Mm-hmm. It's not. I, I think it's been a bit softer than people would expect. I mean, you look at how Jalen Ramsey went for a third and Hunter Long and uh, Stephon Gilmore gets traded to the Cowboys for only like a fifth. Um, Darius Slay, and we'll get to him, didn't clearly didn't get exactly what he thought he might be able to in terms of right. uh, either seeking a trade and getting a deal with a new team or leaving and getting getting a strong deal so i think that's part of it uh as well i think it's a i don't think it's like an a plus move the bradbury signing uh but i do think i would give it you know like b plus a minus kind of i think it's a nice deal um for a player who is coming off a very good season and you know i also thought it was very good two seasons ago um, before it kind of not as good in his final year with the giants not bad but just not quite as the same level but that was a really bad team um i think bradbury being back is really good uh it's a, it's a, it's a good bet to make because you know he's only turning 30 here i still think you can believe that he will perform reasonably well 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one thing that's been consistent with him is he gets his hand on the ball. Like all these pass deflections he has each year, like that's that's consistent. Like he he finds a way to get his hands on the ball and actually make plays. Uh, so that's a good thing. And yeah, definitely, definitely unexpe- so unexpected to get him back. I just thought thought he was really going to hit the market, especially because of the context that you set up. Um, it kind of reminded me of a little bit different, but something in the vein of when Stefan Wisniewski originally joined the Eagles, he was pretty transparent about like, yeah, yeah. the market is, it wasn't what I wanted it to be. So I took a one year deal here, but I'm really hoping to hit the market hard next year. Yep. And I thought that was kind of going to be a similar situation. Um, but I guess I kind of, well, uh, he even said so. <laughs> Yeah, Bradbury even basically said exactly that. Right. A, when he originally signed, and then B, after the season was over this year, he said it both times. He's, you know, I'm looking to maximize my worth. As he should. Uh, He also, his other caveat was he wanted to stay playing with a contender. Sure. So he said that he had better offers. I believe that too, in addition to Brandon Graham. Uh, I believe he did have better offers than what he got, but I I would, my guess is that those offers were, were, were from some scrub teams. Yeah. Um, why don't we pivot to Slay here? Is is that yeah. cool? So Darius Slay, uh, obviously we, I think the news broke when we were recording our last episode about how Drew Rosenhaus was given permission to seek a trade and mm-hmm. clearly that did not come to pass. And there was a report early on Wednesday from, well, really multiple reporters. And then it started with Slay himself basically saying goodbye to Philly. Um, and it looked like Darius Slay was going to get cut. I think the read there was not that like the Eagles hated him and wanted to get rid of him as much as they clearly couldn't get on the same page. And I don't think it was simple as just keeping Slay on his 26.1 million cap number that he was supposed to account for this season. So it wasn't mm-hmm. like, oh, what? you just do nothing. No, they had to address that contract somehow. And I think it was clear that the Eagles wanted to lower that number by restructuring it in some form. Um, but the Eagles did, and I, I think we talked about this in the last episode. You, you do, you can't just restructure a player against the will. Uh, there was just something out about that. Like you have to get them to agree. And it seems like Slay clearly, and according to Derek Gunn, for, uh, who's obviously super plugged in and reliable, Slay wanted like kind of like three years of guaranteed money. Or point being, that's what D Gunn said. Um, do we know for sure? I don't know. But he wanted more years and more guaranteed money, and you don't really want to do that with a quarterback entering his age 32 season, especially after you had just signed Bradbury. Um, So, you know, there's the report they're going to cut him, and uh, I think that made sense because, again, you don't want to be just in the mindset of the post-20 uh, the most Super Bowl Eagles where you're just trying to completely run it back and to hold on to everyone right. as the roster continues to get older, you're going to have to make tough decisions. Yes. I think objectively without slay, the Eagles are our worst team, but I also think it is fair to note, And I stand by the tweets that I had, which some people are like, Oh, you have to delete these tweets now that he's back. I'm like, no, I don't like what I said was objective information <laughs> about Darius slay. I mean, PFF grades or whatever, kind of, you know, there's some subjectivity in there. Um, but it wasn't even just the grading. It was the ch- the charting in terms of where he was at last year. So, um, you know, week one through week six, he was targeted 32 times. 
He allowed 14 catches. He allowed 168 yards, one touchdown. He had the three picks that I mentioned and a 31.8 pass rating. I think this fits the eye test. Darius Slay was pretty great at the beginning of last season. He had that game against Justin Jefferson and the Vikings. Yeah, that was one of the best games from a corner I've ever seen in that in that, uh, Absolutely. In that Vikings game. No yeah. bones about it. He won NFC Defensive Player of the Week. Deserves all the credit he could possibly get for that. But sometimes I think people are guilty of looking at a player who has like a hot start to a season. And then that, that kind of like positively cover, colors the whole yes. rest of the season. It's like, well, they had a great season. It's like, well, he kind of fell off because from it's after like that. Hargrave in 2022 is another example. Not, not 2022, yes. 2021 is another example of that. After that, uh, targeted 51 times, allowed 33 catches for 391 yards, four touchdowns, did not have a pick the rest of the year after week six and a one 14.1 passer rating. I think it's fair to say he started hot and he did not finish. Hot. Yeah. I think he finished cold. And um, it kind of made me wonder as like, I never thought about this before. And the frustration for me was coming from, this is a person who literally insists on being called big play like that. Like if you call him by his first name, he will correct you and say, call me either slay or big play slay. Where were the big plays? Where were the big plays after week six <laughs> last year? As the team is in the super, where's the big play in the super bowl? You know, like, so I think it's, you know, not, I, I just don't get why he should be totally above criticism. Anyway, the point I wanted to make here as I'm going along is that he has seven picks in his Eagles career, Jimmy. Can you name the five quarterbacks he has picked off in his Eagles tenure? Well, I saw you put it, well, I, I saw you put it out. I don't remember what the names were, but certainly, you know, Kirk Cousins, he got twice, mm-hmm. as we mentioned earlier. I know he got Cooper Rush this year. Yep. A backup quarterback. He's- he got whoever the Saints quarterback Trevor Simeon, was in twenty twenty one. A backup quarterback. Okay. He got who is his? his uh, he had two picks I remember him. The get, he, got, he finally got a, a a pick late in the season. His first year yep. in twenty twenty. Cowboys. Like he had a really dis- he had a very disappointing first year with the Eagles in twenty twenty, yep. and then he had a great year twenty twenty one. Who did he get at the end of that year? It was not Dak uh, Prescott because he was hurt. It was his backup. Andy Dalton, oh, was it, it was a, another was it backup quarterback. It was the it was the Danucci game. No, Andy Dalton. In oh, Andy Dalton. Okay, so okay. the quarterbacks are Andy Dalton, Sam Darnold. Oh, right, they, they got Danucci early in that year. Andy or, Dalton. Oh, that was twenty twenty one. Whatever it doesn't matter. Andy Dalton, <laughs> Sam Darnold, Trevor Simeon, Kirk Cousins, Cooper Rush. These are the quarterbacks he's picked off. <laughs> we talking about the Jonathan yeah. Gannon of cornerbacks over here. You know, plays good against the bad ones, doesn't really show up against the good ones. So whatever. If if Slay is back on this restructured deal, that's obviously a good development. Uh, but I was not I, I think the Eagles stood their ground and they're clearly right. And why is he back? He's back because clearly teams were not like beating down the door to get him. Yeah, when when Jalen Ramsey got traded from the Rams to who did he go to? The Dolphins. Ramsey? The Dolphins. When he got traded to the Dolphins, um, it was only it was only a third round pick <laughs> that the Rams got in return. He had a similar salary to Darius Slay. So when that trade happened, it was like, okay, the Eagles aren't getting Jack for, for Darius Slay, who had a base salary of seventeen point five million. So not only do you have to give up a pick for him, you got to take on that salary for a thirty two year old player who, like you mentioned, started off hot last year, but down the stretch was not as good as he was early in the year. So my guess is they found nothing in the way of takers uh, for that contract. Now, when they when it came out that they were going to release him, um, it was going to be a June one release. Okay, so if you get, bear with me here. 
going to get to the nerd stuff real quick. As Brandon mentioned, he was scheduled to count on the 2023 salary cap for $26 million roughly. Uh, to cut him, it's a, it would be a dead money hit of 22.4 million and they would they would save base overall they would save 3.7 million now you don't have to pay them the 17.5 million at all so you're saving that down the line um but basically with the june 1 release uh the, the 8.6 million of that 22.4 million cap hit would count toward 2023 the 22 the rest of it which was like 13.7 million would count toward 2024, but you don't get that savings until June one. So on June one, you'd actually have a savings on your 2023 cap of 17.5 million, Mm -hmm. which is a big sort of like, you know, that's a, that's a big number to add to your current cap this way. If you now restructure him instead of June one, releasing him, the savings probably isn't going to be, you know, anywhere near the ballpark of seventeen point five million, but whatever savings they do get, they'll have immediately. Mm-hmm. Which means, in a weird way, so I think when you think of like, okay, they signed this player, now they can't get this player because they, you know, they're allocating that money there. This is a little bit different. Where now that he's staying, they can have more of an immediate savings, and that money can possibly go toward another guy that they're trying to keep like C.J. Gardner-Johnson, for example. So we don't know the numbers yet on what the savings will be uh, based on whatever agreement Slay and the Eagles came to on uh, sort of a restructured uh, contract. That'll be very interesting to see. Definitely, but I think by getting no this new d- money, if you didn't mention that. Right, right, right. So he's not getting a raise, okay? Like, Which, uh, of course, is no surprise. They were trying to get him to take a pay cut, really. Frankly, they were shopping him. Like the the idea that they quote unquote allowed uh Slay and Drew Rosenhaus to go search for a trade. Slay didn't uh facilitate that. Uh the Eagles were actively shopping him uh in a trade. So um of course part of that was that Slay didn't want to restructure his deal. Right. Probably there's a lot of layers to it that we won't get into this episode. Well again, I think real quick, we still have they to couldn't, they couldn't just sit the on their hands on that. is the point. Like yeah, they couldn't yeah, just yeah. do nothing. That was never an option. Right. They had to do something. Not yes. not to make this about a whole totally different topic, but like <laughs> um I think it, this is a very, you know, big tangent here. But people always talk about like the Sixers arena and how it shouldn't go uh in like near Chinatown or whatever. It's like uh-huh. it's not the Sixers don't own their arena. So they're gonna want to build it somewhere. It's not. It's not. Not oh, to stay. It's not. It's not gonna stay. It's not a real option. They have to do something. So you have to figure out where it's gonna go. Is it gonna move? So, like where? It's gonna move somewhere. That's inevitable. So anyway, sorry. That's my point with Slay. Like they they had to do something. It wasn't just like we're just gonna keep him as it is. That was never the option. Yeah. So um. It, anyway, the the weirdness of that whole thing was. He was gone, and now he's back, kind of in the same way that that they did that with Fletcher Cox. Slash, a different situation, different, but yeah. we all thought Fletcher Cox was gone there for a hot second, and then he was back. We all thought Darius Slay was gone for a hot second. Now he's probably back. But now, just looking at the cornerback position overall, they're set there again. It's no longer it's no longer a need, no longer a short term need the, for the rest of this offseason. It's still a long term need for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, but they now have Bradbury back. They now have Darius Slay back. 
They have Avante Maddox in the slot. We'll see if they're able to retain CJGJ. Marcus Epps is gone, but uh, in my in, your, in my opinion, and we'll get to this in a little bit, but I felt like Reed Blankenship was a better player than him when he got to start. So we'll see if that's even an upgrade mm-hmm. maybe. But the secondary, they have now their pass rush mostly in place with, especially on the edge, maybe not on the interior as much, but with BG, Josh Sweat, Hassan Reddick. And now they have their secondary in place in Slay, Bradbury, Maddox, etc. So, uh, and we'll see, again, we'll see on CJGJ, but the base core, the most important players on the defense, Javon Hargrave aside, they're back in place when it was more like, it felt more like they were going to lose a lot more players than, than they ultimately did. And to kind of, you know, we'll see if there's plenty of time to talk about the draft, which is coming at the end of April. But uh, your point about like, you know, being set at cornerback for now, like, I don't, I don't think anything that Eagles have done in free agency really necessarily rules out much in the draft as a whole, Right. but especially at cornerback, like the Eagles can still take Christian Gonzalez or Devin Weatherspoon or whatever at 10, just be like, just because they're bringing back Bradbury and Slay doesn't like preclude that by any means. Um, so, yeah, just wanted to make note of that. And I, I do agree with your point that um, that uh, it's nice to be able, I think, to re- retain as much as they have. It's a little bit unexpected. We'll see, you know, what they continue to do. There's obviously some big names out there still, including Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, and they have to fill some spots. Uh, it's not all taken care of. But I think relative to what you would have expected thus far, you know, I think they've they've mostly done a good job, but there are some things to quibble about. Um, but let's take a break here, Jimmy. And before we do, very quickly, I will tell you once again about Righteous Felon Crafter. You can go to Righteous Felon, RighteousFelon.com. And the website is free to go to. You just put it in your browser, on your phone, on your laptop, or whatever, your iPad, whatever you got going on. And you check out the website. Undoubtedly, you will find some things that pique your interest. And you can add them to your cart. And use discount code BGN15 for 15% off at checkout. It is a permanent discount code. I want to make that clear because a lot of these discount codes that you see in different places are like one-time use only or whatever, first-time sign-up. No, this is, you can continue to use this over and over and it won't go away. And sometimes it goes up to 20% during special occasions, but I don't have any of those to my knowledge on the horizon, so... For now, you ride with BGN15 at righttosellin.com and the same discount code available at wildrangerpet.com. If you have a dog, you want to get your dog some dog treats and spoil them because that's what a good pet owner does. So wildrangerpet.com, same discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. Jimmy. Back after this. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Back here on BGN Radio. As Jimmy takes a big sip of coffee, he's tired. Jimmy, yep. what should we get to next? Let's go defensive tackle. Um, they lost 
Javon Har- Javon Hargrave. They kept one guy, one notable guy. They lost one notable guy. The really notable guy they lost was Javon Hargrave, who go- not only leaves but goes to arguably not arguably, but the Eagles' biggest threat uh, in the NFC in the San Francisco 49ers goes there on a four-year deal, $84 million, so $21 million per year. That'll count for a third-round comp pick for the Eagles, at at least, so they'll have that uh, in their back pocket for 2024. Uh, But Hargrave leaves for, again, a pretty stacked 49ers roster whose defensive line is now looking very good with Joey Bosa, Eric Armstead, and now you put Javon Hargrave into that mix. Um, that's going to be a very formidable team. But as far as what he, what the Eagles lose in him is one of the best pass rushing interior defensive linemen in the NFL, 11 sacks, of course, in 2022, um, you know, not necessarily a run stuffer in that you're not going to plop him down in the middle of the line and he's not going to anchor against double teams and stuff like that. You can move him if, um, if, if, you know, you get your hands on him and, and you're, and you're able, and especially with double teams, you can move him. Uh, but he does make plays on the other side of the line of scrimmage uh, in the run game. So he does make plays, but he's not like your typical nose tackle type who is just going to like, it's just like he's not a run stuffer necessarily. He's more of a playmaker. And again, as a pass rusher, he's one of the best in the NFL and he got paid that way uh, getting 20, again, $21 million a year. The Eagles couldn't go that high. Like That was just a player they simply couldn't afford. And that's a little bit of an overpay for as good as I think Javon Hargrave is. That's a little bit of an overpay by the 49ers. But, you know, in getting him on that overpay, they're, they're again, like I said, their D-line is going to be absolutely stacked now. Um, and then, of course, they bring back the Eagles, bring back Fletcher Cox on a one-year deal, $10 million. That was a little bit more of a controversial move. You and I are both kind of um, – we didn't – first of all, when they brought him back last year – at one year, fourteen million. That was insane. I think to me, you and everybody else, it's four million less this year. So he does take a little bit of a haircut uh, on his base salary. I don't think it was enough. I think he probably. Well, I mean, if you he look at like what defensive tackles discount. are getting, what are you talking about? According <laughs> yeah. to Adam Schefter, yeah. The, <laughs> according to uh, whoever was screaming uh, high and loud that the Jets uh, wanted him for more money. Uh, and apparently almost got it done with Fletcher Cox. Um, I, that's sort of the market rate is is what they got him back for. Like if you look at the other defensive tackles on the market, they're get they, the the guys who got less than Fletcher Cox don't have anywhere near the production that Fletcher Cox had in 2022. And the guys who got more than him got way more, like the 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 good starters like Hargrave. Like Zach Allen, who apparently the Eagles had some level of interest in, got like fifteen or sixteen million. Uh, Draymond Jones, I think, got somewhere between seventeen and eighteen million. And then there's a big drop off from there to ten million for Fletcher Cox. So there is an acknowledgement that he's not the player that he once was, and certainly his his career is in decline. There just wasn't a lot available at defensive tackle uh, league wide, you know, on the open market. So I, I kind of understand where you at least want to bring a guy back and not put too much, uh, on the shoulders of your young players like Jordan Davis, Milton Williams, Marlon Tui Pelotu. Like they needed more players on the interior of that defensive line. They lose Hargrave. They bring Cox back. It was a lot of money though. (laughs) So I'll let you, I'll let you, uh, you know, kind of uh, 
I, I know that that this is a strong. You have some strong opinions on 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 Fletch. Well, on Hargrave, and real uh, quick. sort of what he's been on the player as a player the last couple. You know, because we started there. Uh, yeah, I you couldn't bring him back. Unfortunately, this is you know the salary cap. Believe it or not, is real, and you can't mm-hmm. just keep everyone. So that's unfortunate. Um, he's you know he's going to be thirty, and you're paying him this big money for the Forty ers If you're going to overpay, you know, doesn't hurt to do it at such a strong uh, position. And certainly, you know, the Eagles pass rush is worse with Hargrave off the team. Um, Mm -hmm. But again, when you factor in that they basically potentially traded him for a third next year and didn't have to pay that money. That's part of the calculus with the comp pick. So it's fine, but it does. It stinks. Objectively, it stinks. I thought if you could keep any player, ideally, kind of, it would be him. I know CJGJ is younger and James Bradbury, whatever, but like, I just thought he's like the most impactful player at a premium kind of yep. uh, position as a pass rusher, but uh, it didn't work out. Fletcher Cox making 10 million. That is top 23 defensive tackle money, just outside the top 20, just based on an annual value. And like, he shouldn't have been back last year. He just said it. And now he's back again. I get that the Eagles needed more defensive tackle help, but like, this is really the best use of, of – there's opportunity cost here. I say that a lot, but it's true. Like, I, you, just, you don't have infinite resources. You have limited resources, and I just don't know that bringing heck, Fletcher Cox at $10 million a year is really a great move when I feel like he's been a steadily declining player. Like, his number – everyone wants to be like, okay, he, he bounced back last year. And his stats did from a standpoint of he had three and a half in 2021, seven last mm-hmm. year, so doubled. Mm-hmm. But, like – I legitimately don't have a good answer to this question that I posed on Twitter. And I think I posed it to you too. Um, post it to you too. Uh, can you name an impact play that Fletcher Cox made last year? And if you can, can you name another one? Cause I can't think of, I can't think of one off the top of my head. You know, obviously if you comb through it and look back, maybe you can, but that's not the point. Like the point is, if you're paying a player like premium money, because I can do that with other guys. I can do that with James Bradbury. He had a big pick in the playoff game. He had a ton of pass deflections. He made big plays. Um, can, can I do that with Fletcher Cox? I can't. I can't really think of that. And he's there's so much wear and tear. It's not that I think people want to like equate it to Kelsey and BG because, and this is why I was stressing earlier, that bringing those guys back makes sense because they're still on top of their game. That is not the case with Fletcher Cox. He Out of 142 defensive tackles graded by Pro Football Focus last year, and take it for what it's worth, hearing 72nd. Like, I, I just think that matches kind of the eye test that you're not getting. And anecdotally, I, I feel like I would watch plays last year for different reasons. Um, not like not just locking in the Fletcher Cox, but I'd rewatch a play, especially for like all 22 footage, um, some of the mm-hmm. great cutups that Johnny Page put together. And I would just see Fletcher Cox getting like pushed around out there. And it was just like, this is this is not the same Fletcher Cox that I'm used to seeing. So I, I he's an all-time eagle, obviously. You know, he, he he holds value. But I just, I don't know. I felt like it was time to move on. And I just don't think this is the best use of resources here. And there's just so, again, there's so much wear and tear on his body. It's not like Brandon Graham. Brandon Graham has played like 6,500-ish 6, 6, snaps. Fletcher Cox mm-hmm. is over like 9,000. Over 9,000. Uh, that's a, a meme, Jimmy that you probably don't get a little dragon ball Z. I don't but yeah so uh but like that's crazy like that's he's there's so he's only he's only quote unquote 32 
but I, I've said this for a long time. I feel like in NFL years, he is so old. Like this is going to be his 12th season. There's so much wear and tear. And I, I think it's different with Brandon Graham because I feel like BG is willing to accept a lesser role. I think he's more honest about mm-hmm. what he is at this point in his career. And I that the money shows that it took lesser yeah. money. <laughs> but like, yeah. gosh, I don't, yeah. I don't think that's the case. You know, he's like, he still thinks I think he's top of his game and I don't expect him to be in this like role player kind of role. He's going to be starting. And that doesn't like matter matter a ton in terms of starting at defensive tackle because they're going to rotate those guys. But I feel like he's going to be playing more than he probably should. He played 65% of the snaps last year, and that was even when they were getting breaks at the end of the year because they were, A, blowing teams out, um, and they were just getting, you know, normal breaks because of buys and all that kind of stuff. So um, on your point where, you know, did he make plays that stood out, I actually, and you can find him if you comb, and I did comb. So, like, I had cut up all the Eagles' uh, sacks during the regular season uh, last year when they almost finished with the NFL record, and I found his sacks, and they're actually legit. So, like, he was beating the guy across from him. Um, however, with, with that said, he's also getting better matchups last year than he ever has at any point in his career because the Eagles are just so incredibly stacked uh, across the line of scrimmage. So he was, you know, he's beating guys one-on-one, which of, of course, you know, there's skill in that. Like you give him credit for, for beating guys uh, for beating, you know, right guards uh, across from him and, and making the most of those, you know, one-on-one opportunities. But as you note, um, so they weren't, anyway, they, they, they weren't, they weren't just sacks where guys coming off the edge quarterback steps up and just kind of runs into the defensive tackle. They weren't like that. Like he like legitimately earned most of the sacks that he got. But as you note, um, there, there are times where again, like I agree, like in the run game, he was getting pushed around. There are other times where you can just kind of see he's like taking plays off. There's more of that in 2021 than there was in 2022. Openly like, you know, expressed disdain. (laughs) Yes. I know it kind of smoothed over, I guess, eventually, but that's another thing here where it's like, Okay, like you're like, oh, this is great for the locker room and the culture and everything. I'm like, is it that like, you have a player like openly calling out the defensive coordinator? Yeah, it's not. It's, it's the answer. Yeah. It's not. <laughs> like, that's not good for the locker room when when you have a a, a you know a leader of the of a, you know perceived leader uh, in the locker room openly questioning the defensive coordinator scheme. That's not that's not leadership in any way whatsoever. Um, but anyway, again, that that was a while back. There was none of that in 2022, but you could see, you know, at times on the field, you know, the guys just taking plays off. So um, I think in a role where he's not playing the number of snaps that he played last year, like if he's playing half the snaps in 2023, then I think that's maybe the sweet spot where he can be effective. But then also if you're playing, if he's playing half the snaps, then it's really not a lot of justification for paying 10, 10 million a year for that though either. So, yeah, I don't know. It's uh they needed, they needed a player. It's a position that they probably value more than most, maybe more than any other team in the league, uh, the interior defensive line, but certainly more than most teams in the NFL, uh, given the resources that they've dumped into that position, both in terms of free agency and the draft. Um, You do have, like we mentioned earlier, the young guys coming up in Jordan Davis, Milton Williams, uh, to a lesser extent, of course, Marlon Tui-Polo, two guys like that. So, you know, you, you do keep one of your veterans uh, in that mix, which I think is great and fine. Um, but, you know, I think it's also a position that they're they're going to probably target in the draft as well uh, if, if the right bargain kind of comes around there. But, yeah, it's uh, 
uh, it's going to be a downgrade from from 2021 to tw- or excuse me from 2022 to 2023 with uh, the loss of really like a stud pass rusher in Hargrave. All right, what else? All right, so let's move on to uh, I guess the the last player that stayed on this list is Boston Scott at the running back position, but the more interesting move at running back was the addition. So we'll talk about both of them, but the addition of Rashad Penny from the Seahawks, who I'm mad at myself because when we did our last podcast episode, we sort of drafted players that we thought the Eagles could sign from the outside. And at running back, I picked David Montgomery. Rashad Penny is, you know, he's, he's another guy that I have long thought of as a potential target for the Eagles, A, but also B, I love his game. Like this guy is an awesome player who really had star potential, if not for just an insane number of injuries that he has suffered over the course of his career. Let me pull him up actually while I'm talking here. But if you just watch him play, he's fast. I think he ran a 4-4-6 at the combine. And maybe he's not that fast after all the injuries that he had. But you can see on his runs, he is outrunning defensive backs and decisively you know beating these guys in foot races to the end zone last year he had 57 carries 300 something yards but his his yards per carry average was 6.1 he had two touchdowns got hurt in the fifth game of the season against the saints broke his leg and uh he was done for the year but he's the three attributes that stand out for him are explosiveness um you know ability to run through contact and what really surprised me in cutting – so I cut up all his carries in 2022 before he got hurt. His vision is outstanding. Like he is actually sort of a creative runner where he can see a couple steps ahead uh, what's developing you know, uh, uh, on, on defense, uh, you know, both at the first and second level. And he picks his way through traffic and these lead to like these big gains. I think that his vision is a massive upgrade – on what the Eagles had with my, with uh, Miles Sanders. I agree with that. Uh, and obviously Miles Sanders leaving to join the Carolina Panthers. Um, so much to get to. Uh, on Penny, I did mention him. I think we t- probably talked about him on the podcast last year as a free agent target because he had worked out for the Eagles on the pre-draft visit once upon a time. So they had shown that kind of interest in him. I mean, he finished the 2021 season so strong. In those final five games, he had 92 attempts for 671 yards. That's insane. 7.3 average and six touchdowns. Like this dude, let's be let's be real. He's not going to stay healthy because he just doesn't. Like that's not going to happen. It's he's not going to play all 17 games. You can rule that out. And if he does, then wow, that's incredible. Uh, he's actually only played in 42 out of 82 possible regular season games. So again, he's probably going to miss playing time at some point. But like. When he plays, he's really freaking good. And he was playing in Seattle where, like, I mean, they don't have the best run blocking offensive line in the league, I would say, like mm-hmm. the Eagles do. And they did have Russell Wilson for a time. But, um, like, Jalen Hurts is a whole, especially what Jalen Hurts is now versus what Russell Wilson was. Like, that's a whole new threat, you know, a, a whole different kind of threat to account for in the running game, especially how the Eagles use him, too, that – 
will open up opportunities for Rashad Penny. And you only got him for 600K guaranteed. Like, it's, that's a pretty good deal. Yeah. It's actually less he did, than Boston. He didn't count toward the comp pick formula. Yeah. He got paid so that's, little. That's, like, it's, it's such <laughs> a... It, it, it's definitely a risky move in terms of, again, he's going to get hurt. It's just going to happen. He's going to miss time. He's, he's not going to be your lead back the entire season. But that's okay because you're not putting all your eggs in the Rashad Penny basket. Like, you have you signed him. But you did bring Boston Scott back, who can be, you know, a reasonable backup contributor. Mm-hmm. He actually got more guaranteed money than Penny. He got one million guaranteed. I saw up mm-hmm. to two million million total. Um, I think Scott's a nice, you know, running back by committee kind of back. He's fine. He can contribute. Uh, you still have Kenneth Gainwell, who kind of came on in the playoffs there, and I think the Eagles can have some yep. optimism about him, especially because Penny, not a pass catcher, uh, just hasn't. That's not really part of his game. But Kenny Gainwell obviously can do that a bit more. And then you know, the Eagles still have Trey Sermon on the roster. He's intriguing. Yep. Uh, Kennedy Brooks is under contract for uh, the offseason, so we'll see what he can do. And like, I fully expect them to add a back in the draft still. Like they can, and maybe as early as day two, probably not John Robinson, uh, but yeah, uh, or day three. So um, especially because you know Penny's here on a one-year deal, Boston Scott on a one-year deal. So you're going to want to add someone at running back who can you know might have some more longevity there. But yeah, I think it's a really really good move. So here's his injury history real quick. 2018, missed two games with a knee injury. 2019, three games early in the season with a hamstring injury. Later in 2019, torn ACL, missed the last three games. 2020, missed the first 13 games of the regular season while recovering from the torn ACL in 2019. Uh, what the hell? What? Uh, my, it's annoying. Uh <laughs> My phone reloaded while I was reading off my article. On oh, he's a fibula to end his 22 season, as you just <laughs> yeah, so said. Tw- I, I got it back here. 2021, injured his calf um, week one and missed the next five games. And then last year, he broke his tibia in week five against the Saints, missed the rest of the regular season. So some of those injuries feel like bad luck. Some of them are maybe not so much with I mean, you talk about like soft tissue injuries, like hamstring caused them to miss games, calf caused them to miss games, the ACL. I mean, th- that's not as serious an injury as it once was. You guys can come back from that. And he has like, you, you see the way he ran in 2022. You like, you'd never think that that guy tore an ACL before. Um, but yeah, so, you know, the dynamic will probably remain the same in the Eagles running back room in that, you know, Penny's the first and second down guy like Sanders was. And then Boston Scott backs him up and then Gainwell's your third down back. And then, as you mentioned, Sermon's just kind of lurking in the shadows. But I'm with you. I think they actually don't stop there. And I think it would be because of that injury history. You can't go into the season just depending on him being, you know, reliably healthy. And you probably couldn't do that with Miles Sanders really either because he had his share of injury, uh, his share of injuries as well. Had, you know, three different points during the 2021 season. He missed time uh, with you know, due to injury, uh, 2022 was the first season where he really made it through unscathed uh, through the whole season. So, yeah, I think they have to add another back, whether that's a veteran or a guy in the draft. I think it's probably more likely that they add. It's a very strong running back draft. So I think it's more likely they add a back in the draft. And it could be early, like yep. you mentioned. Like you said, it's not going to be B. John Robinson. It's well, not, not going to take 10, him at, least. At, at 10. And he's not going to get to 30, in my opinion. I don't think there's a prayer of that. 
somebody's going to take him well, you know, long before that. So I don't think that's a realistic option, but there's very good running backs that can be had on day two. They don't have any day three picks on, uh, at least in rounds four, five, and six. Yeah. They have a couple seventh rounders. So I think actually that's where the value is at running back is like rounds four or five, somewhere in that range. And if they can make a trade back from 10 or 30, or even in like rounds two or two or sure. three, they make a trade back in, in those rounds and they can, you know, recoup some picks uh, on the earlier rounds on day three. Uh, but yeah, I don't think they're, they can't be done at the running. We can't just trust that he's going to stay healthy because he's probably not. But when he is, when he is healthy, like, He's got the chance to be one of the best running backs in the entire NFL just because of the skill set that he has. And I mean, he's an awesome player. It's, 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 that's a fascinating signing to me. And, uh, I think it's, I think that is, like, if, I, if I'm going to an award like an A grade to any of these signings, it's probably him. And by, sure. <laughs> by the way, like, he's also one of those guys that it's not a 0% chance that he gets into training camp and he just, you know, whatever he flames out like so many other, you know, you know, low money signings that the Eagles have made over the years and doesn't make the right. team. So, like, there's a, a very wide range uh, of outcomes with Rashad Penny and Philadelphia. He could, like, tear, I hope he doesn't, to be clear, and knock on wood. He could tear his ACL in, like, the first rep of, like, OTAs, not even training camp. <laughs> right. And it, I still think right. it's a great signing, like, from a process standpoint. Uh, there's yeah. not a lot of risk here. And the upside, I think, is tremendous. I think. You know, Solak's over here, Benjamin Solak, um, is out here saying he could lead the league in rushing if he stays healthy. And yeah. I don't think that's yeah. I don't think that's hyperbole at all, by the way. I, but I, I mean it's not gonna totally happen legit. again, is the thing. Like it's just, yeah. the the odds of it happening are very I think low. But yeah, I think that is that that is the ceiling to your point of the move and the the floor is that what I just said. <laughs> like he doesn't even he doesn't even yeah. play a single snap all year. Like that is that's the floor like realistically and that's the ceiling realistically. Um Miles Sanders is gone, Jimmy, and that was obviously to be expected when they signed Penny, and he basically yep. tweeted out. He knew goodbye. it. Yep. And, yeah, I think this was always expected. The Eagles were not going to pay Miles Sanders what he was looking for, which was ultimately a four-year deal that he got from the Panthers, reunited with Deuce Daly down there, and didn't play for Frank Reich in Philly, uh, but certainly, you know, Frank Reich, I'm sure, is aware of him in part. Sure. Because uh, of Sirianni and Doug and kind of, you know, having been in around coaches who have coached him. And uh, yeah, I'm glad the Eagles didn't do that deal because I would, I think Miles is a nice player, but he's, he's the worst. He ranks dead last in yards per target in the NFL uh, since 2020. And for the ability that he does have, which is certainly some, um, you know, the inconsistency in terms of dancing around a little bit. And there were still ball security issues. Uh, we don't need. I think we kind of talked about this in the last episode. In our yeah, stay yeah, or go, yeah. um, but uh, I, I'm I'm happy for him. I think he works hard. I think he, he, from what I can tell, he seems like like a, a solid you know guy in terms of. Um, mm -hmm. I think he means well for as far as I can tell from that. So uh, like no ill will, but it just it did, never made sense to keep him. So congrats to him for moving on. I like Miles, and he's actually landed in a pretty good spot. Because they traded up to the number one overall pick, so they're going to take it. They're going to take a quarterback. Obviously, they're going to run the ball a lot with uh, a rookie quarterback, so he's going to get his chances to, you know, rack up a lot of yards. And they're running. So their running backs last year were um, Dante Foreman and Chuba Hubbard, and those they actually had some huge games. The Panthers where they racked up a ton of rushing yards. There's one game. Who did they? Like they put up like almost like 300 rushing yards, I think, against somebody last year. That could be. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, the, their offensive line is is a good run blocking offensive line, and with Sanders signing there, the I mean, I, I don't follow the Panthers that closely, but uh, the sentiment there was that Foreman would not be right. re-signing there. So it's now him and Chuba Hubbard there. Um, so yeah, he's going to get his share of carries, and it's a good landing spot for him. All right, what a they might not as good a team, no. <laughs> certainly, but but uh, you know, playing in an awful division, and he's he's good, but he's going to rack up yards. And uh, surprisingly, four-year deal, by the way, for yeah. him for $25 million. We should talk about comp picks really quick because uh, he'll count toward the comp pick formula. So as of right now, the Eagles have lost six players uh, who count toward the comp pick formula in Hargrave, who will count for a three, and then five guys who will count for a six, including Miles, uh, TJ Edwards, Marcus Epps, Kaiser White, and... Andre Dillard is kind of on the the border of five, a five and a six. He's only a six. I won't get into the super nerd details here, but uh, snap counts factor into the compact formula. (laughs) So he didn't, he barely played any snaps last year. So he's at a six right now. When he plays more snaps in 2023, then he'll probably bump back up to a five. Uh, But yeah, they're going to be, there's no question that they're going to have, they're going to be awarded four compensatory picks in the 2024 NFL draft. They already have eight picks in that draft. Add four to that. They got 12. They're going to be loaded up. They So they, they A, were able to keep, you know, most of their mo- most important players this offseason. They lost some, but they were able to keep most of them. And they're going to be able to reload next year with, with those 12 picks uh, or maybe use some of those picks in 2023, like maybe trade some of those picks for picks in 2023. I don't think that's the best strategy, but they may do that. Well, when you have so many, uh, but anyway, they do it one time. But but the, but the, that's a part of that's a part of what has happened in this free agency is that they've also you know almost certainly secured a number of uh, of of you know important picks that 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 that, that they'll need to reload some of these you know because. A lot of the guys they brought back are old, Slay, Cox, for example. So they're going to need those picks to, to reload, uh, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. Why don't we keep with the theme of like positions the Eagles didn't value uh, running back in terms of not yep. spending a lot of resources there, and also linebacker, where TJ yep. Edwards and Kaiser White are both gone. TJ Edwards was basically like the first move, I think, of like it was like, NFL <laughs> yeah. free agency, in the NFL uh, in <laughs> yes. terms of at least when the legal tampering window opened at noon on Monday. Yeah. And kind of surprising terms for him. Uh, what do you get? Like three years, uh, 19 million? Three for 19 and a half, I think yeah, it was. Yeah, inter- surprising in that, like, that was not unreasonable money, I think. And for him to sign like that so right. early and like be a, 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 tar- a primary target for a team on a deal that I thought like the Eagles reasonably, if, like, if the Eagles brought him on that deal, I'd be like, okay, that's, you know, reasonable. That's not like crazy. Yeah. That's fine. Um, I, I'm not going to crush the Eagles for not doing it. But uh, and I, I do think you have to consider that DJ is from the Chicago area. He grew up a Bears yep. fan. I think it's quite possible. In theory, it's possible the Eagles offered him a ver- the same contract, and he just wanted to go mm-hmm. play for his hometown team. Like that that happens sometimes with players. They put that think yep. about that. If you were a human being, like you might want to just go back to where you're from. Uh, Hassan Reddick last exactly. year. So uh, I can't discount that. I think that could be a variable. I don't know that for sure, but certainly. Uh, losing him as a player who kind of came up here and I thought uh, got better pretty much every year 
and I thought worked really hard and wasn't like a vocal leader, but wore the green dot on defense in terms of yeah. getting the, the plays called in and or, like arranging the defense and everything. Uh, you're losing that. It's not ideal. And Kaiser White, who, you know, I think a lot of people thought struggled as the season went on. It wasn't great, but mm-hmm. like I was talking to, uh, you know, my good friend Jody McDonald had me on WIP the other night. And, you know, for all the people who want to be like losing these linebackers isn't a big deal. And to be clear, I'm not saying it's the end of the world. But Kaiser White, as we've talked about many times, like how many linebackers did the Eagles sign that they couldn't even make it through a season? Where, you know, <laughs> right. Zach, uh, Zach Brown and Jatavis Brown and Eric Wilson and Paul Warlow and Corey Nelson and who are LJ Fort. LJ Fort. Oh, I forgot about LJ Fort, who's actually funny enough, like the best yeah, one. Yeah, want to be an okay. But they didn't want to play him. <laughs> but point being, like, it's not necessarily so simple for this front office specifically to design like anyone and they'll be fine. I'm not like, I'm not to be clear. I'm not pushing the panic button on that, but it's kind of funny to me to kind of like discredit like, Oh, Kaiser White, not the biggest deal. I mean, it, it isn't the biggest deal, but it's not nothing. It's not like a, whatever kind of transaction, let him leave. And also kind of spinning it forward here because there's going to be a lot of, you know, the Kobe Dean discussion, the idea sure. that like he's a set it and forget it starter, I don't totally like fully buy that. I mean, because mm-hmm. think about what you're just saying. If you think TJ Edwards and Kaiser White like weren't all that great or all that important, well, that's who Nicobe Dean was behind last year. Like he couldn't get on the field over those guys when a lot of people thought he might. Yeah. We did it over under, as you may recall, as we do before every other uh, every season. And I set Nicobe Dean's over under for snaps played at whatever number Alex Singleton had from the previous year before, because he was their leader. Okay. And a lot yeah. of people took the over on that. A lot of people thought Nicobe was going to have a big role. He didn't play at all. He basically did not play at all. And that doesn't. When did we do that? Like that that uh, over under exercise? Late June. Oh, so it was before training. Camp. Yeah. But still. Okay. Like, what do we pay? what do we take on that? I took the under. You took the over. And the. The re- I took the, the over. listeners okay. yeah, took the over on that as well by like probably like, I think like 80, <laughs> okay. the number in the eighties like by a comfortable margin. There. Yeah. So, uh, like I think I I in limited playing time I thought Nicobe Dean did some good things and I am excited to see what he's all about. And certainly I think you could have worse options there. Um, but even if he is good, I mean, Eagles still have to find a starter next to him. And again, as I just outlined, that isn't necessarily like oh. They can easily, they can easily do that in terms of like resources. I think, um, you know, there's going to be options, but this team's track record does not suggest that it will definitely be a slam dunk who they sign. Yeah, I remember uh, heading into training camp thinking that Nakobe would probably be one of their starters, and then it was very clear in the first, I don't know, three four days of camp that T.J. Edwards was unquestionably the best linebacker on the mm-hmm. field. And that also Kaiser White was probably going to start. So like all throughout training camp, all the linebackers actually made their share of plays, whether it was TJ, um, Kaiser White, even guys like Davion mm-hmm. Taylor were having decent camps early on. He's stunk in one of the preseason games and uh, got cut. Sean Bradley made a share of plays. Nicole barely made like any plays at all. So, so like uh, it became clear that he wasn't going to be a starter very, very early you know, in training camp for during the 2022 season. That said, with – the type of profile that he is as a player where it, for him, it's all intelligence. So in college at Georgia, he was one of the best players on the field, but a lot of that was because he was one of the smartest players on the field and his instincts were, were, you know, were outstanding. 
when you come to the NFL, you're learning a new. <laughs> I don't know if you just heard Kristen screaming at the dog. Oh, uh, faintly. <laughs> but when when you come to the NFL, particularly in his case, where he was being cross trained both at the mic and the will spots, and he's trying to learn a new scheme, trying to you know fit into all the the, the basically the the lifestyle shock change uh, moving from college to the NFL. It's kind of understandable that a player like him who doesn't have the extreme athletic measurables and relies on instincts and intelligence to not stand out immediately. So, with you know, having a year under his belt in the NFL, I think will help sure. him big time, um, you know, heading into 2023. Um, so we'll see how that right. goes. But, you know, certainly, like you said, to just – Think of him as oh, set it, like, and forget it. All right, Pro Bowl starter. We're not there no. yet. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah, we're not we're not there yet. And certainly, they have to add another. Like if the season began today, parentheses it doesn't. Who's their other linebacker? Yeah. Is it Christian Ellis? So Sean Bradley. That's a guy that I think will make the team, and pro, you know, as like because he played well in special teams last year. But that's not. They there are moves coming. At linebacker, yep. I think they have to add a veteran, and then I think there's a decent chance that they add one in the draft as well. Um, but yeah, that, that's a position that the Eagles, just, like you said, like running back, linebacker, they just don't value those mm-hmm. spots. And TJ should be appreciated too, like undrafted rookie free agent, role increased each year that he was with the team. 2022 has 159 tackles, 10 for loss. He had nine games in which he had double-digit tackles and a couple sacks, seven pass breakups for a guy that doesn't have, you know, outstanding athleticism. Uh, next closest tackle tackler after him was Kaiser White, who had 110, so he had 49 fewer tackles than T.J. Edwards, who again led the team to seventh in the NFL uh, in tackles on a good team, by the way, that you know often dominated time of possession. <laughs> it was seventh in the NFL uh, in tackles, so. Um, yeah, just a really tough, instinctive, um, smart player that they're going to lose there. I thought he might go to Arizona. Like I thought that Arizona might overpay him to, you know, be the green dot helmet guy for Jonathan Gannon, but he goes to the bears. Uh, like you said, he goes home and, and the Eagles have some front office guys that moved over to Chicago. So they're fully familiar with, with what TJ Edwards brings to the defense. I think it's a, sort of an underrated loss, uh, TJ Edwards in the middle of the defense and you know, we could for years and years, we saw the Eagles trot out terrible linebackers, right. like the ones that you mentioned that couldn't even make it through training camp or a full season. But then others that did that shouldn't have, Thank like Gary. Nate Gary, guys like that. So, like yeah. you know, it's it's uh it's they have they have they're loaded still, even with the loss of Hargrave, all on the defensive line. And if they're able to bring CJ GJ back, then they're going to be loaded in the secondary mm-hmm. again. So those are the two most important things, and that makes it e- life easier on whoever they have at linebacker in 2023. But yeah, I think that is a sneaky, um, you know, sort of, um, I don't want to say under discussed because free agency just started, but uh, you know, the loss of TJ Edwards may wind up leaving a mark. Let's take another break here, Jimmy, but not before you okay. tell me about Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, who I didn't, I don't think the listeners could hear a yell. I just heard some kind of uh, <laughs> noise. Some So what happens is Charlie, we have two cats in the house here. There's it's Butters and Lily, and then there's Charlie the dog. And Lily's food is in like the the, the downstairs extra bedroom uh, in the house here. So 
Charlie is always looking to scavenge on Lily's food. And it's a constant battle between Charlie and Kristen. Lily is, is Kristen's cat. <laughs> so Kristen's always looking out for Lily. And Charlie's always trying to steal Lily's food. So Kristen and Charlie have this never ending battle. Like she's yelling at him all the time for trying to eat Lily's food. So if you heard her yelling in the background, I'm like 99% certain that's, nice. <laughs> that's what that's what that was all about. Uh, but anyway, Kristen Retrovich Realtors voted by God uh, as the best realtor in the history of the universe. That's a true statement. Like, that is true. Uh, there's no, there's no like asterisk needed there or like, you know, any kind of disclaimer. She he was voted, she was voted by God. It's the best realtor in the history of the universe. If you disagree, then too bad. Suck on that. <laughs> but if you're looking to buy or sell your house, you can be reached at 856. She can be reached at 856-906-9295. That is her cell phone. Call or text her. Again, 856-906-9295. Brandon. Back after this. Kristen Roach of Roach Real Tours, Roach Real Tours, Roach Real Tours. Kristen Roach of Roach Real Tours. She's the greatest. 856-906-9295. Back here on BGN Radio. Jimmy, I guess we should get to... Uh, safety, right? Kind of touched on Marcus Epps a little sure. bit, but um, another guy in the TJ Edwards mold that uh, kind of came up here, worked his way up. Actually, it was kind of how they got him, if you recall. It was kind of almost a trade in effect, not in actuality, where the Eagles cut Andrew Sandejo in 2019 because he stuck. <laughs> they waived him. And uh, the Vikings. And preserved a comp pick by doing they that. did. And the Vikings <laughs> ended up waving Marcus Epps to make room for Sendejo on the roster. <laughs> so basically, it's like the Eagles and Vikings swapped Sendejo and Epps. And Epps uh, worked his way up from being kind of like a backup safety, not playing much at all, playing on special teams, to then in 2021 mm-hmm. really taking on a role as a rotational guy between Anthony yeah. Harris, Rodney McLeod, and Epps. And then really kind of being viewed as a weak point heading into the 22 season. It's like, what are they going to do about this safety spot? Epps isn't good enough. And I thought he was basically good enough and he was okay. Not like amazing, but like he's a legitimate NFL starting safety in my eyes, not like a, uh, a high end one, but like he belongs, he can, he he should be starting games for a team. Uh, So good on him for getting paid. Didn't really make sense for the Eagles to keep him at that number that he got paid like two, two years, 12 million. Um, but I don't think it was the Raiders, wasn't, right? Three Raiders, Raiders. Yeah. He went to the Raiders. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. think it was an, an insane contract. I think that's, it's about fair for what he can do and, and being able to hit the open market at his age and, uh, and whatnot. Yeah. He was a fine player. Like he didn't make plays <laughs> really. Uh, but there also like, he didn't, there weren't many plays where it, you know, after the game is over, people were like, uh. They got to get rid of abs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like there there wasn't a lack. There weren't any obviously notable, noticeable, egregious errors from. I think you can kind of say the same thing about Kaiser White too. Like I think those two guys were kind of on the same level in terms of their importance to the defense, and that they were fine. They were stable. Uh, they didn't cost you games, uh, but they also didn't make plays either. 
I think Kaiser maybe got victimized a little bit in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, uh, maybe not as much apps, but um, well, yeah. Th- but they're 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 two players the that Travis were Kelsey fine. The first one. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 The only. Um, I mean, yeah. Um, but yeah, they're fine losing those guys. They can re blanket chip, like I mentioned earlier. I think when he played, there's an argument to be made, pretty good argument to be made that he's better. He was better than than Marcus Epps in those games. So I don't know that you count on Reed Blankenship to be your starter in 2023 or you add somebody else. Certainly, I think he's going to be a starter if you also lose CJGJ because, you know, adding two safeties in addition to having Reed would be, um, you know, difficult ask. And if you're adding guys at low money uh, deals, then probably not a great chance that they're going to be better than Reed Blankenship. So um if they bring CJ GJ back, I think they're in really good shape with the three corners that they were able to to bring back. Uh, plus, Zach McPherson, by the way, is a guy that I think it could be ready to to step into a role if need be. They may not need him if these guys all stay healthy again. But at safety, you know, you're looking at maybe CJ GJ, Reed Blankenship. Back, you know, that the depth isn't great there, but um, I, I think I think they can. I think it's safe to say they can survive the loss of Marcus Epps. And there's some talk out there that you know. Uh, Chauncey Garner-Johnson drawing interest from the Broncos where uh, Sean Payton is now coaching. And Mm -hmm. I was kind of reminded of the fact that Sean Payton was on. uh, We probably didn't see this because you were were covered in the Super Bowl uh, at media night on the floor. But during the uh, FS1 broadcast, like Sean Payton was on that. And I don't think he had been hired by the Broncos at the time. Uh, He was asked, or maybe he was, I don't remember. But in any case, Somehow, uh, CJ DJ was brought up, and he was like, "Yeah, I don't know what the Saints did with that. Like that, I thought that was a terrible trade." So you know, <laughs> oh yeah. really? Okay, uh, that's yeah. funny. He, he he ripped his former team, um, who didn't have money to pay CJ DJ in part because they gave a lot of dumb money to Taysom Hill and other things. So kind of Sean Payton's fault in some ways that he did move on from him, uh, <laughs> indirectly at least. But in any case, the point being, that's funny. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. that Sean Payton like clearly likes him a lot. Uh, so that definitely is a situation to watch. And we're hearing that the Eagles, you know, are making an effort to keep CJGJ, but uh, we will see if they can get it done. Uh, on Last thing I want to say in Epps real quick, extremely durable. He played almost like every snap last yeah. year, which is, that's I just think that's really impressive. Um, there was only one game he didn't play 100% of the snaps in all regular season long. And that was the Titans game where like they just took out the defense at the end because they had such a big lead. They won by 25 points in that one. And then in the playoffs, um, he played, uh, he missed a couple snaps at the end of the Giants and 49ers games because, again, the Eagles were so good that they blew right, him out. Right. He still played like 90 and 93% in those games. So that's just another uh, thing to consider his durability uh, and deserves credit for that. Anything else? What haven't we talked about? Well, I had actually gotten a tip that he, CJ, was also being pursued by the Chiefs. Wow. And I dug a little bit on that, and that appears to be uh, accurate. So, man, um, that would that would that man that track and that that tracks too because they lost. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but it also tracks because they lost Juan Thornhill to to Cleveland. I think, yeah, and then um, man, CJ of course is we'll call him a colorful personality, and (laughs) you know Andy Reid has never shied away from adding players with. Um, you know, uh, interesting personality. So I, I also, uh, yeah, I think 
looking at CJ DJ's post on Instagram where he said he would he would have had twelve interceptions if he stayed healthy. I think <laughs> it's fair to wonder if the discussions about his price tag are fully yeah. realistic <laughs> yeah. and right, uh, sobering. Right. But yeah, anyway, uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, I've. What, what do you think? Just like, what are your vi- what are your vibes on uh, the Eagles potentially bringing him back? I don't know. It's I think it's really fifty fifty. I think what I just said is kind of tough. I don't. I think the Eagles have a number, and I don't think he is fully necessarily uh, being reasonable in the Eagles sense, not in his like not in the objective sense. Like CJ yeah. DJ, go get as much money as you can. Like I'm all for that. Sure. I'm not saying like he should take less. And I think part of what makes him him as a player, kind of, and a lot of cornerbacks really, is overconfidence, and and or they might not call it overconfidence, but confidence. So I don't I don't blame him for that. But I'm just saying, like sometimes you have to be realistic about what you're going to get, or else you're just going to languish yeah. on the market, and your price tag is only going to go down. Um, so if there's a situation like that where he's not getting what he wants, and clearly he's been available since monday and as of thursday morning at 907 uh he's not signed yet so maybe his value goes down because you're that's what your market really only does when you're out there longer because it clearly shows that teams aren't just beating down the door to pay you whatever uh you want to get paid um but i don't know maybe if he goes to the chiefs there could be kind of this uh triangle effect here where okay uh the Chiefs lose Juan Thornhill. He goes to Cleveland to replace John Johnson, who they designated as a post-June 1 cut. John Johnson, I mentioned, as a potential Eagles target. Uh, if they lose CJGJ, maybe CJGJ goes to the Chiefs to replace Juan Thornhill. Mm-hmm. And then John Johnson comes to Philly. So there you go. <laughs> What's funny is by the time we publish this episode, like he'll already have signed Naturally, somewhere probably. Yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think he's. I, I, if I had to choose stay or go at this point. I mean, I had him a strong go before free agency began. I'm kind of leaning stay on him. I think, I think he's going to come back. So um, feel free to make fun of me if that doesn't happen listeners. (laughs) So uh, anyway, um, uh, that'd be a big get if they could keep him. I think also, by the way, on that Jesse Bates kind of the Falcons kind of screwed up the safety market temporarily with the deal that they gave Jesse Bates, formerly mm-hmm. of the Bengals, what did he get? Like seventeen million or something like that? Sixteen? I don't know. He got a big number, and I think that maybe temporarily screwed up the safety market. And it has taken maybe a few days for there have been a lot of other safety signings that were much, much, much lower. Yeah, four years. So, so like four. Okay, so what's that? Sixteen. Uh, okay, that's yeah. So it's six. It's sixteen. He got sixteen. Um. Anyway, uh, yeah, that's a big number <laughs> for a safety. It's a big number, and uh, it's a big number. No- what else can I say? It's a big number. Uh, there are a bunch of other deals that you know sort of calm that market down. Like a lot of lesser deals for decent players that have calmed that down a little bit. Maybe so. Maybe CJ had to see the safety market correct itself before he'll agree <laughs> to take not Jesse Bates' num- money. Uh, with either the Eagles or somebody else, and uh, the further away we get from that deal happening, maybe is uh, is when that's maybe that's why it has taken 
we're in day four, basically, of free agency, and it's surprising to me that he isn't signed somewhere already. Same with Isaac Sayamalo, by the yeah. way. I thought he was going to be gone quickly, but he's still just kind of hanging the injury, around the market, too. The injury history there is probably scaring some okay. teams off. Like, prior to this season where you, you did stay healthy, you know, the couple of years, the past couple of years there, he did not play a lot. So I think that's kind of concerning. And he's also, what, he's 30 or so? Like, he's, you know, you're signing yeah. an, an aging guard so maybe in theory the eagles could get him back if his market's not strong and if you could get him back on a one-year deal i think you'd do that sure Although it's again yeah. kind of frustrating that you spent a second round pick on cam jurgens and these <laughs> two years are spent on the bench yeah. potentially <laughs> right um, okay so those are the guys who are still out there in terms of the eagles top free agents uh gdgj samalo Gardner Minshew, you know, I'd put in there as well. Oh, forgot about, yeah, forgot all about Gardner Minshew. They yeah. need a backup quarterback. Jacoby Brissett will not be quarterback. He went to Washington to presumably. He's going to be their starter, by the way. He's going to beat out Sam Howell. We'll see. In, I think, uh, I think that's reasonable to think, but we'll see. It's not a guarantee. Uh, the other free agents, by the way, who are still out there are Zach Paschal, Linval Joseph, Ndamukong Su, uh, Robert mm-hmm. Quinn, and Brett Kern, just for housekeeping notes. Yeah, not a lot left. Not a lot left. Uh, one note we didn't talk about. Which I probably should mention real quick. Andre Dillard. Andre Dillard got a deal with the Titans. Oh, Three uh-huh. years, yep. twenty nine million. It's a lot. Uh, I there's a there's a weird thing going on with Andre Dillard where people are like, well, actually, it's good. It's just that Jordan Mailata is really good. It's like, well, I don't really <laughs> think that's maybe the most accurate assessment. I mean, once upon a time. Andre Dillard and Mylotta were in a training camp battle, quote unquote, and you know Mylotta just smoked him, in part because he was great and Dillard was terrible during that training camp yeah. battle. And was it twenty twenty one? Yes, yeah, entering Syria's yeah. first year, and it was kind of a joke because it was getting to the point where we were at like Jets joint training camp practices late in August, and Syria <laughs> just wouldn't commit to Mylotta yeah. being the starter, <laughs> right. even though it was incredibly obvious to anyone. It was clear after like two days who the much better player and was. And also, like, I don't even know if they were still rotating the snaps at that point or the reps. Like, it was like my lot of taking like the first team, all the first team reps. Anyway, uh, I don't know. I think Dillard did get a little bit better from where he was earlier in his career. I can acknowledge mm-hmm. that. But this idea that he's like great now, I mean, no, I just, I don't, I don't buy that. And whatever, he's gone. He was getting comp pick. It's not a, a big concern as far as they're involved. But, um, you know, if you happen to somehow be a Titans fan or no one listening to this, like this idea that again, Mylotta ascended, and so so it wasn't really an indictment of Dillard. No, I mean when you when you trade up to number what twenty two, what is it in the twenty nineteen NFL draft, and you use a first round pick on a player who only started seven games for you, that's not a good pick. It's just not. <laughs> it yeah. did not end up well, and um. Oh, from the Eagles' perspective, he's a boss. He is. There, he there's no is. question about it. Yeah, and also, yeah. I think people somehow gloss over that, like the Eagles were going to bring Jason Peters back in 2020, even when Brandon Brooks was healthy. Like, there's this. There, I think people think that they only brought him back because Brooks got hurt in the off season, right? And then they wanted right. him to play right guard. Derek Gunn had said like definitively that before Brooks <laughs> yes. even got hurt, that Jason Peters was coming back. So yeah. where was he gonna? What was he gonna do? Be a backup left? Yeah, they, they didn't trust Dillard. Like, yeah. yeah, so yeah, clearly, yeah, yeah. like whatever, Dillard's gone. I don't have to relitigate the whole thing. I'm rooting for him, by the way. He's a nice well, guy. Sure, whatever. Uh, he's yeah, he's he's quiet. I, I and he's he's just very nice, very polite. So I hope that he does well in Tennessee. But I'm skeptical yeah. that it's gonna go well just for him there. I, I just don't want to hear like, oh, actually, he's good, and it's just my lot of is better. Like, I don't know. So and also, a oh, kind of a weird fit. I feel like in Tennessee with Vrabel, 
like who and the Titans culture, <laughs> which is like toughness, physicality. And that's yeah. not really and that's not his game. Yeah, yeah. I associate Andre Dillard with. But yeah, whatever. Good luck to him. Uh, he's potentially uh, helping the Eagles get a comp pick or at the very least counting towards their formula. So that's a positive thing. And they'll sure. take that. And it does raise the question of who is the backup left tackle now. You don't necessarily have a surefire answer there. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I I guess it would be Jack Jack Driscoll. Driscoll has done it, but, but I think I think we're going to see them draft a tackle. Probably draft draft and develop a tackle that can be your swing tackle in the short term and eventually take over for Lane at right tackle. I think that's fair. The Eagles have brought in um, a couple of tackles, the Ohio State guys, uh, what Paris Johnson, mm-hmm. and I, a guy who I like, I'm mean, very intrigued by, especially for this offense, was it Dewan Jones, their right tackle? Who's like, uh-huh. yeah. He's like, yeah. He's like six, he's bigger than my lotta. Three, 380 <laughs> something, six, eight, I think? 370 something or 380? He's huge. He's a okay. big man. Uh, he's huge. He's got to lose some of that weight. But in his wingspan, like his arm length is like over 11. Mm. Yeah. He's, <laughs> I'm sorry. His hand size is over huge. 11. And his, his his arms are like, they're, they're like almost up to 37 yeah. inches, which is insane. Um, so that's a guy that he's got weird tape in that he, there are times where he just dominates the guy opposite him and there are other times he just whiffs um so he's gonna he's he's but he's a perfect project well for, for this, yes jeff stoutland yeah. the eagles yeah. love big offensive linemen like specific like they like, mm-hmm. like even their guards are always like kind of like tackle size um you might have to take them at 30 though like that's like a big investment on a draft and develop guy but, but in any case certainly sorry this is a tangent yeah. um yeah, yeah, they yeah. also did bring back <laughs> Brett Toth, so he I think he's also potentially in the mix for that backup left tackle. Sure. Job. He'll be competing for that. Um, he was all injured all of 2022, but I think he's in the mix. Uh, not the favorite, but he's in that conversation as well. So, all right, that's all they've done in free agency so far. Uh, is there anything besides like bringing back CJG? Are there any other external names to kind of keep an eye on in terms of them bringing a guy in? Um, I don't know. I I think, like I said before, I think they have to add a linebacker. That's sort of on my uh, agenda over the next day or two to take a look at what's still Bobby available there. Still up there. Yeah. Um, I think they could maybe add another body maybe at into, I think that what they, what they need, what, the, what Howie loves to do is have no gaping, glaring holes heading into the draft. Right. He wants to at least have something, someone competent, at each Someone spot. he can at least talk himself so, into being a viable option. <laughs> yes. That's no longer cornerback. They don't have to worry about that now. Um, linebacker, yes. And then if they lose CJGJ, yes. safety for sure. They're going to have to add somebody before the draft, I would think. Um, that aside, I think they're pretty much good to go for now. Um, you have backup quarterback, like maybe Marcus Mariota is still out mm-hmm. there. Uh, a lot of the other you know, backup caliber quarterbacks have landed in other spots. And it seems like the, the going rate for those guys, like the very common contract has been like two years and then any, anywhere between like eight and 12 million or something like that for a backup quarterback. So those costs aren't out of control. And it's something that, that the Eagles can maybe afford. It'll be interesting to see if they have interest in a guy like Mariota. There's not a lot left right. at the backup, yeah, really uh, him at, at backup quarterback. Guys who are like, I think any kind of intriguing, because even if you don't feel good about him as a passer, you really don't, I mean, he can run around. So that's something, especially in this offense. Yeah. And it's unknown what they think of Ian book. We never, we never, we've never gotten to right. see him actually compete in practice. Cause he was added after training camp. Um, 
So yeah, I would say backup quarterback, linebacker, safety are the three spots where they get at, safety again with the caveat of if they lose CJ GJ. But those are the those are the spots that I think are, are the obvious ones where they get at a player. Um, maybe a Clias Campbell out there. The Eagles have liked themselves okay. a veteran defensive end hasn't really worked out sure. in terms of uh, um, Ryan Kerrigan and Bobby Quinn. Mm-hmm. So maybe something like that. And he was released by the Ravens. Yeah, maybe, maybe t- title chaser kind of yep. guy. Yeah. Um, Yannick Ngakwe is out there. Probably going to get more money than the Eagles would pay. Um, on, on backup. Yeah, they don't need edge at this point either. I don't think at least veteran wise uh, on backup quarterback, by the way. Um, uh, I do. I, I just feel like they, for a team that has prioritized that position so much the way they have, it just feels like a little too hard to believe they would just take a rookie and have that or Ian book be the backup. Mm-hmm. Like, I just don't think that's not a spot where they look to save and get cheap at. Like that's a spot they very much value. Especially when they think they're Super Bowl contenders. Right. So I just have a hard time believing they're just going to like skate by with Ian book and a rookie. I really don't believe that. I don't know if that's Mariota Agreed. or it could be something like akin to the Minshew trade. You know, maybe there's someone out there. I don't know who that is off the top of my head. Or maybe it's Matt Corral. I feel like you'd probably still want something more experienced than... Maybe it's just Minshew. It could, it could be Minshew coming back. Although, like, I don't know. I feel like the way he finished the season kind of left a bad taste in their mouths. Like, almost to the point where... Yeah. I remember, like, they they didn't cut Chase Daniel in twenty after 2016 because they could save cap space. Like, it did... No, they took on, like, a dead... Like, it was not... Right. Yeah, they got rid of him because they're like, "Oh, this dude can't play. Like, we need we need someone better at backup quarterback. We need to sign <laughs> yes. Nick So I just feel like, like I feel like that's kind of the situation with Minshew. I feel like they what they saw, they're not really necessarily. I know he good, did good in the Cowboys game, uh, relatively. Still through two. There's been no. There's been his like chatter on him has yeah. been very so, quiet. You know, maybe you do get him back. Um, I'm looking at the other top free agents here. I don't really see any obvious names. Um, I think that kind of just, oh, Matt Ioannidis, you know, I think, you know, well, they said oh, Cox, yeah. mm-hmm. but in theory, if they, depending, his market will be some one to monitor. I guess, you know, you could talk about like Puna Ford, uh, Quentin Jefferson got released by the Seahawks. Those are guys with mm-hmm. Sean Desai ties now, considering he came from yep. the Seahawks. So, um, you know, look, uh, we're getting through, we've, we've made it basically through the first wave of free agency. There's going to be a bit of a lull probably for a little bit at some point here, as there typically is. And then you see kind of a second wave develop. I remember looking back at last year and, you know, the Eagles added guys like Kaiser White and whatever kind of after, I think that first week after kind of the, mm-hmm. the weekend or over the weekend. Um, so they're going to, I think, sporadically, you know, make some signings here. Uh, it's not going to be like hot and heavy where they're just, you know, handing out big contracts left and right. A lot of that's already been done. Um, the bulk of their work, I would say, has been done, but still some things to address. Overall, uh, thumbs up, right? Like on a on a if you're looking at it on a big picture scale, what would mm-hmm. you grade uh, Howie Roseman so far? And obviously, there's yeah, it's, it's like do. a like a B like a B plus. I agree. So far, they kept they kept some important players. Uh, I think the Rashad Penny signing is you know like a like a, a low risk potentially high reward type of you know, flyer worth taking a risk on. Um, and they kept more, they kept more guys than, than I expected. Um, so they'll, they'll be, they're clearly going to be Super Bowl contenders again in 2023, assuming Jalen Hurts plays at the level that he did in 2022, which I don't think you and I, or I are, you know, concerned about that in any way. Um, so yeah, I think it was reasonable to, to keep many of the guys they did. You can quibble about, uh, you know, Fletcher Cox's of the world or whatever, but overall, yeah, I'd say B plus is, is, is a fair grade for, you know, 
through the first. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it's been better than expected. I legitimately felt (laughs) maybe I'm letting the Rashad Penny signing color too much of my feeling, but on whenever that day was, I I'm losing track of the days. I think that was Tuesday. Yeah. That was yesterday or uh, sorry, Tuesday. It was Tuesday. That was the first time since the Super Bowl where I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about something about the 2023 season. Like I'm, I'm ready okay. to look ahead a little bit because I was not. At, yeah. And part of it is also it, like seeing a month removed from the Super Bowl. Like once we got to Sunday, I believe it was the 12th. Once we got over that hump, because that's like kind of crazy. That was crazy to me. I'm like, it hasn't been a month yet. It feels like it's been forever ago. Uh, <laughs> yes. That also is helping a little bit getting further removed from that. But um, I do think. You, there's plenty of reasons to be optimistic for all the credit to let me be clear for all the like the criticisms I have of the Eagles. It's not about like they're doomed and they're hope. That's not what I'm doing. It's just that there's room for nuance. You're allowed to like criticize some things and you're allowed to praise yeah. other things. Mm-hmm. And then you can have a sure. big picture thing. I think the arrows pointing up. I think they are well positioned in an NFC that does not offer on paper, a lot of threats, it's- it stinks. Specifically at quarterback, <laughs> like from a quarterback perspective, um, you know, it's, it's, it's always kind of hard to parse with the 49ers who like they never have necessarily the best quarterback, but they're always going to be really good. Um, now they have Javon Hargrave. So, you know, I still think they uh, have a, a good chance to win the Super Bowl and be contenders. They, that is, I said it to RJ on the mixtape earlier this week, even if they lost a lot of players on defense, I still think with Jalen Hurts, to your point, assuming he doesn't drop off in some massive way, which I don't think anyone is expecting, then that's their ceiling. They're, they're Super Bowl. They're going to be Super Bowl contenders with Jalen Hurts. The only question for me is, you know, what is the margin for error? And I still think that's decreased because you're just not going to be as good as you were last year. But they're still going to be a pretty, pretty, pretty good football team. So uh, that's the bottom line. Because if if you look at the landscape of quarterbacks, by the way, in the NFL. Seven of the top eight are in the AFC. So you look at the top, top quarter of the league quarterbacks. Jalen Hurts is in there, okay? Wherever you want to put him, he's in there. And then in no particular order, you got Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, again, and in whatever mm-hmm. order, Lamar, Herbert. I would put Lawrence in there. And then with Aaron yep. Rodgers moving from Green Bay to the Jets, there's your top eight right. in whatever order you want to put them. I'd put all those AFC guys over the likes of, you know, like Dak. your Derek Carr, Dak, Geno. Matthew Stafford, if he's healthy. Those guys, are, those guys are not top quarter of the league. So the Eagles have a major – it's crazy how we went from where we were last year at this point with Jalen Hurts to where we are now where he's very clearly top quarter of the league quarterback. Mm-hmm. Whereas last year we were wondering if he was even top half. Uh, and the, the gap between him and – you know, the guys like Carr, Gino, Dak, I think there's a decent gap between him and those and those guys. And then from those guys to the next level, even bigger. So, like, the NFC is there to be won again. I think, you know, other teams, like, so the analysis that I've seen a lot of, like, just having NFL Network on the ba- in the background as free agency has kind of gone along. I'm sitting at my computer here. There's a sentiment that, like, oh, such and such team in the NFC, t- not talking about the Eagles here, they think that the NFC is wide open. Yeah, well, from the Eagles' perspective, the Eagles are way better than any of the other teams in the NFC. I think there's, that's the statement to be said about the Eagles as opposed to any other team in the NFC. Sure, and I will repeat this a lot during the offseason. Um, 
to tamper expectations. You can't just assume the team that plays in a division where there hasn't been a repeat winner since 2004 yeah. is definitely <laughs> right. going to like right. do that at, like beyond and let alone anything beyond doing that. I do think the Eagles have a good chance to break that streak this year. To be clear, 18 years but by the way. It's not like again, a given. It's just not you can't assume that. There's no you can't, you can't possibly assume that'll be the case, especially because yeah. um you know, I think the Cowboys are going to be good. Uh, they sure. that's I found the Stefan Gilmore trade is like that's a good trade, really good trade for them. Annoyingly, so it's like, yeah. really Colts, you're just gonna like just a fifth, really, <laughs> right. like a fourth. Um, yeah, so even AJ Brown was like, Ooh, that's gonna be tough. Sure, I mean, it's him <laughs> and Diggs, and I think Diggs is a little overrated, but still, you know, the the duo of them, uh, yeah, is, for sure, you know, that's it's a pretty good duo. All right, uh, any final thoughts? Yeah, we uh my comment section uh at Philly Voice uh a guy named Ed um Ed Crone who uh passed away uh recently. Oh. He had like a long battle with um uh with cancer, actually a couple different kinds of cancer, like a lot of surgeries along the way and actually kind of kept the commenter community um, sort of up to date for years with uh, his battles with cancer. And um, I know that along the way for him, there was a lot of uncertainty with what exactly, you know, A, was wrong with him and B, what the next steps would be, which is, I can't even imagine the frustration that he and his family went through when not only you're sick, but also you don't know exactly what, you have to do next, which just sucks to have to, to have to live that way. Um, but yeah, he was a uh, really, I interacted him with him um, not only in the comment section, but also offline uh, at times. And uh, more recently with uh, his, his wife, Amy. Uh, and yeah, I just wanted to mention him on the podcast here real quick sure. because he was just such an awesome, nice guy and, you know, handled his sickness um, just so openly, and um, he was just a really good dude, and, and will be missed. Yeah, it's a nice sentiment, Jimmy. Uh, thank you for sharing that. A uh, lot of great listeners and people and audience members. That's that's one of the probably the coolest parts of the job. Not just saying that is just like the cool people you meet along the way. Um, yep. Whether that's you know in person or interacting online or whatever. And certainly we appreciate everyone listening to, to whatever hour mark this is. Uh, or how deep we are into this very long podcast uh, because it means a lot and life is short. And I feel like it's always as, as I'm getting older, still fairly young ish 31. Uh, I feel like it's just, it's crazy to look back on like time and things and that it's like some things just feel forever go and fleeting. So yeah, I think it's always important to have that perspective and the perspective of what we do is fun and is and meaningful deeply to a lot of people, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also silly sometimes <laughs> and doesn't and, and not and and uh you know getting angry about Fletcher Cox's contract you know doesn't not, not always the most really important <laughs> right. thing uh all right yeah uh this has been BGN Radio episode 114 we'll be back at some point here uh depending on what the Eagles do maybe an emergency pod we'll see uh but in any case we appreciate you following along at bleedinggreennation.com and phillyvoice.com you can follow us on our social media Accounts handles will be in the episode description here. You can check out our sponsors, Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, 
Discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. And Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, if you're looking to buy, sell, or rent a house, you can go to roachrealtors.com or you can call, text this phone number. 856-906-9295. got a really scary uh, phone call the other day. Uh, you know, free agency is chaotic. And I was trying to steal like a 20-minute nap at one point. Um, you know, <laughs> okay. I, was, I woke up early. I've done that. Yeah, I was yeah. tired. Like literally set my alarm for like 20 minutes from when I was laying down. <laughs> I've, done ex- I've done it. It's so funny. I've done exactly yep. that. That's so funny. So, you, said that. Uh, you know, I, I did that and I woke up. And I I can't speak for everyone, but I feel like most people, you know, somewhat disoriented when you like literally first just wake up. And so I get <laughs> yeah. this phone call. I thought it was my alarm. So I go to turn it off, but I flip over my phone and I see it's ringing and I see home. I'm like, why is my mom calling me? Um, assuming it's her because she'd be at home potentially during the day. Uh, and, you know, so it's not like a normal phone call where I'm like, hey, this is Brandon. I'm just like, hey. And I get this voice in return that's like, sounds like like kind of a child or like a, a a young woman uh and it was like hi brandon do you want to play a game and i was like nope hanging this up uh in a like wow in the moment like i was like this is terrifying because i didn't like again i was disoriented i thought like okay this is probably spam but it was under my home contact and i guess i hadn't fully realized that my parents got rid of their home phone finally like over the summer or whatever. Um, so that number, I guess, is now just available and a spammer took it or whatever, or they're simulating. That's so, that's so I weird. Know. It was very, it was creepy. It was very, and I called my mom instantly because I was like, I was like afraid something happened to my mom. Like, yeah, I was yeah, like yeah. terrified for a second there. And thankfully she's okay and everything was fine. But that was horrifying. <laughs> oh my God, dude. That's yeah. like, you think that like, you know, it's like a saw. Right. Scenario. I was like, yeah, I was like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> do you want to play a game? Yeah. Holy I know. shit, that's crazy. I know. I know. So that was terrifying. <laughs> um, I quickly, like, I was fine after I heard from my mom. I was totally fine. But I was in the moment, yeah, I was yeah. just like, that was incredibly jarring. <laughs> like, Not cool. Yeah, bizarre. And I quickly, and like, first thing I did after I, I talked to my mom was like, change that number, like, my home, my old home contact to literally like, not home anymore or whatever I put it in my yeah. book to make sure if that happens <laughs> yeah. again, like, it doesn't. I mean, I would I would know from it happening before, but just to make sure that if I, something like that. So uh, yeah, uh, be in the lookout for that, people. I guess if you have like, yeah, that would mess with my brain you too. Have a, good, good lord, you have like an old contact or old phone number that you know is like not saved anymore. Maybe like you know, update that and change that so you're not kind of as freaked out or whatever. All right, <laughs> kind of a uh, a weird way to end the podcast, but. Uh, that's what we're going to do. So we will be back here. Subscribe, rate, review, all those good things. We will be back with you at some point. We don't know exactly when. Um, uh, Next week, I would say at the very latest, but maybe sooner. Who knows? Goodbye, everybody. BGN. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts.